Hi, I'm Heidi Harriet. Welcome to Dog on Good Information, and welcome my co-host Tommy Fahey. Hi, Tommy. Hi, Heidi. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. We uh, we have a really deep uh, subject matter today, but it's something I've wanted to do, and I got a guest that I was trying to get, um, Colleen Lynn, who uh, has the uh, website dogsbite.org, and came to this with her own personal story. So we'll talk with her in a minute, but um, it's just, I feel kind of serious because it's such a serious topic. I know you were telling me uh, before we got on the podcast about another episode uh, with someone. Yeah, um, I have a good friend that uh, she was driving down the road, kind of an old farm road, um, and saw a cow that had had a, just had a calf and the calf had rolled under the fence, um, kind of into a ditch situation. And, and so the calf was not able to get up and the, the cow was not able to get to the baby. And it was, you know, potentially a farmer going to lose a, a, a baby cow. So she went up to the nearest farmhouse just up the road thinking that she would alert the owners and, you know, be a, oh. a good citizen and everything. So she walks up to the door and rings the doorbell, knocks, waits for a few minutes. Um, and a pack of dogs, I don't know, probably about five, she said, oh my came God. around. Um, and they're just farm dogs. You know, they're, they're cattle dogs and, and mixes and different sizes and everything. But um, she said that they really weren't bothersome to her. They were just kind of greeting her and, hey, how you doing? And no big deal. And so she was waiting for somebody to answer the door waited an appropriate amount of time and then said, okay, nobody's home. So she turns to walk back to her car and one of the dogs was triggered and uh, flipped a switch and grabbed a hold of her calf. Oh gosh. And pulled her down to the ground. Um, So she was on the ground and there's four or five other dogs all around her. She said, luckily the other dogs, none of them got aggressive. They were all, uh, still more, uh, right. you know, social and, 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 you know, um, and kind of looking at the oh other dog, like, gosh. what are you doing? But the other dog kept coming. He, he kept trying to, to go at her and she was, uh, luckily, uh, nimble enough to get, uh, kick him a few times and, and get him off of her, um, to the point where the, all the dogs kind of ran off and she was able to get into the car and get to safety. Um, but she has a a pretty big scar on her, on her calf. Um, and you know, had, had she been, you know, somebody with mobility issues, an older person, a younger person, not as strong as what she is, um, you know, it could have gone really poorly. She could have gotten a lot worse injuries than what she did. Um, and you know, the, the dog, it's not necessarily the dog's fault. It was a farm dog probably guarding its property and, you know, so there, there's something to be said for that. Right. But yeah. It's also the question of if you have a dog that has those tendencies, it's your responsibility to keep the public safe also. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, um, the UPS driver, medical yeah. personnel, people can show up at your property for various reasons. Sometimes of it course. protects you. Um, so, you know, giant signage or something, but yeah, because they do get territorial. The country scares me as much as I love to be in the country. I'm afraid of people's dogs protecting their areas. Yeah, you just don't know what you're getting into. So get a load of this. We were uh, we were traveling um, out in the Northeast for about four or five weeks, 
And my husband likes to drink beer and we stop at breweries, which are popular. Well, there's always a lot of dogs at breweries. A lot of times just open air outdoors, which is fine. Yeah. I do take issue with people taking their dogs inside and they, they just completely do that all the time. However, we were at one and got caught in a rainstorm. So we were there, the poor girl behind the counter, everybody had left but us. So we're chatting away. She's like, please go. <laughs> so I, on the counter, I see a form and I was like, what is that? Because I see it says uh, pet policy. They, they actually had an issue. People bring their dogs and they've had dogs get into fights. And it upsets uh, yeah. them. And the girl behind the counter that I was talking with, um, who was working there, certainly loved dogs and all that, but she was really frustrated. I think she'd been somebody who thought it was all good till she worked there and had to deal with it. So they had one that was so bad that it became a lawsuit. A woman oh, got, who did not have a dog got up to go get a beer. And you know how people let their dogs on the long leash go visit and uh, they don't lay under yeah. your table. They should have to stay with you. I hate it when right. I do that. So anyhow, um, they had a lawsuit. And as a result, you have to fill out this paper if you bring a dog. I love it because it says you have to own and have housed a pet for at least 30 days. No longer than a six-foot leash, which is way too long. Current on vaccinations. What does Tommy always say? If they're not asking you for their shots, they're not asking anybody. They didn't ask anybody else. Um, DDT, DDTP, rabies, um, and at all times, parasite-free, obedient, potty trained, <laughs> attended to at 100% of the time, covered under your insurance. So they don't know if all this is true, but you're signing this saying it is. So yeah, at least it's one it. more step, right? And yeah. they're immediately removed if they exhibit aggressive behavior, disruptive in any way, or excessively barking, which that alone Good. would make me happy. So they have to sign it. And I mean, it's a it's an actual waiver of liability that I think would stand Good. up. So really interesting because, um, you know, it's all good, but it it's becoming a problem because people aren't using good common sense and they don't have best animal practices um, in, sure. their, in their mind, when they're, which we've talked about a lot. And our guest today, as I said at the top of the podcast, is uh, this is a tough subject. This is uh, Governor Ron DeSantis. I'm in Florida. Uh, came, they came out and said that he, uh, the legislature, but they always say it's him, right, said that you cannot discriminate by breed specific or size of the animal in any government housing. Um, I don't understand that. I mean, I always say, why do they have these in the first place? You know, somebody just said, yeah. hey, let's do this. We got nothing better to do. There's there's a reason that there was a, a ban or of some sort. And then HOAs and stuff could certainly do their own things, but everybody's afraid of getting sued and everybody's afraid of getting hurt, frankly. Like our next guest who was attacked by a dog unprovoked on a run. So uh, Colleen Lynn runs dogsbite.org, the website, and has a story to tell us and also some insight into the legislation. Colleen, welcome to the podcast. We're glad to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. So I'm um, really excited to have you on. This is, this is a pretty, you know, deep subject. And as we were just talking about, people are very passionate kind of on all sides of this. And um, so let's start by uh, telling folks, uh, you have dogsbite.org as your website. How did that come to be? What What's the background on that? 
Well, I was, uh, I live in Austin, Texas now, but uh, at the time I was living in Seattle and I was on a run. I was training for a half marathon and um, I was just on a sidewalk going down and there was a person walking a dog and she turned around and uh, saw me coming. And so she moved her and her dog over to sort of the grass in between the road and the sidewalk, which as a long time runner, it's usually an indicator. There's a little bit of a problem, but I mean, it's really nice when they do that. Mm -hmm. So didn't even phase me just thanks, you know? And uh, then I saw her, the dog lunged and she dropped the leash. It ran out, sort of bolted out in front of me and uh, on the sidewalk, it just stopped and was like looking at me. And I didn't really, it was a, it was sort of an odd situation that was going to last a few seconds max. Right. And I didn't really know. So I sort of like stopped and then it took off running. It jumped on me and knocked me backwards onto cement. Oh. And it grabbed the first thing it could, which thankfully, you know, humans, you know, we block, you know, so it, it grabbed my forearm instead of my face. Um, and it, it shook my arm like it's so I, I i couldn't i could you just can't fathom it right and his mouth was right here you oh, know uh, and it was just digging and i was like yeah you, know, you know uh and then i was sort of on a knee because i'd sort of tried to get up and that's when it uh he bit and uh and so anyways um i fell back over and he dragged me a little ways and and finally you know he the dog had a leash on it. And so she was not the owner, but she was a, a next door neighbor walking it. So a lot of times in these cases, there's not a collar, much less a leash. Yeah. So it's yeah. really hard to get one of these dogs off of you. So yeah. she was screaming and pulling that leash and it let go. Uh, and so I bolted out of there and I was really close to uh, the regional trauma center at that point, oh. just happened to be on my running route. So I got there fast and, you know, went into surgery and sort of, that's sort of how it happened. Like I, you know, when I got out of the hospital, because it was a fracture and shattering of the bone, um, I, I went online and I, I thought, you know, I had always sort of known that, I mean, I've been a dog owner. I was like, I was cautious of pit bulls. I didn't think about them. I didn't read about them. Right. I didn't obsess about them. Uh, but I know that I didn't want to own one i knew that and i you know i got you know, some french bulldogs and some small little guys because we had limits where i could live anyways they didn't yeah. want any larger dogs um and so i started looking online and i'm really good at that because i'm a you know 1.0.comer and that's what i did for a living and i found all these four boards and there was all this propaganda like pipples or nanny dogs and yeah and it's all about the owner and i was like what is this what's going on that I thought this was sort of general knowledge, right? And um, and so I was really surprised by that. And, you know, the web back then looked very different because there wasn't social media. What's his time so, frame that this happened? Two thousand seven. Okay, gotcha. Mm -hmm. So so we're looking at like like dog fighting forum boards and mm -hmm. pitbull forum boards, and I was like, this is like creepy. So Seattle wasn't that far away from San Francisco and San Francisco had in the last year implemented the mandatory pit bull spay neuter law. So I started finding information about that. And then of course I found information about Denver. Um, they are pretty well documented online about their ban because they had so many legal challenges. 
And so I decided Denver to- Denver had a pit bull ban, you're saying? Denver? Denver? Okay. Yes. Okay. For many, Interesting. Many years. Okay. They repealed a couple of years ago. Well, they repealed down to uh, a licensing restriction. Okay. Um, but Denver had the most legal challenges and overcame each of them. That's partly why uh, they're the model pit bull ban ordinance in the U.S. Oh, okay. Uh, can withstand the legal challenges. So I decided to write like this white paper for Seattle, which is pretty specific to Seattle and our statistics, our dog bite statistics locally, and and what San Francisco had done, you know, what Denver had done, and and I brought it to the city council. It's like twenty pages, and um and they did not want to talk about brief civic legislation, even though I was strongly you know uh, pushing for the San Francisco sort of. Uh, mandatory spay neuter, which is obviously, you know, a light version compared to a ban. Yeah. But it gets to some of the same reasons, right? It can lower yeah. the population. Um, and they said, no way. So I took the paper and put it online and that became version 1.0 of docsbite.org because uh. I knew that there would be other jurisdictions and other parts of the country that might need it. So that's really how it started. And I you know, it wasn't about, oh, I'm starting a nonprofit. No, it wasn't about that. I just wanted, I spent quite a bit of time writing that white paper and I wanted to put it online. So, you know, not wow. just three way. Wow. So well started. A lot of story, Tommy, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tragic beginning. Yeah. yeah. It was, that was, uh, you know, and it's interesting. And I told this to another person not too long ago, but so, I was in shock, you know, for six to eight weeks. You know, you're sort of like, oh, I'm not really hurt. Oh, I'm going to keep jogging. Oh, and there's all of this emotional stuff happening. Yeah. And uh, when I finally start to, and I don't don't cry, I don't do anything. I'm just like, I want to, you know, I'm going on the news. I'm talking about this thing I want to bring to the council. And I'm just going off. I'm totally lucid and I'm well-researched. And then I'm driving so it's about six weeks afterwards because i can use my you know hand now my six shift and um there's a school bus in front of me and it it stops and i i'm really close to my house and i i'm like gosh you know i don't this school bus is stopping in the middle of a block i think i i just didn't remember that they used to do that like i always thought they stopped at like the edge yeah like the end of a block or the beginning and I don't know, I guess I was in a hurry or something. So I sat there and there's nothing you can do. We got cars, it's got two lanes. It's like this skinny in Seattle and you got cars parked on both sides. So I'm just like, okay, you know, you know, these little kids pile out, you know, six years old, something like that. And I'm just sort of looking at them and, you know, waiting for the bus. And then I realized they're standing where I was attacked. Oh. And that is when I completely lost it. Uh, you know, just like, wow. you know how you like kick up when you cry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that kind of crying. And I even thought that, oh my God, I'm, I'm scaring those kids. They're looking at me in my little VW oh. bawling <laughs> this bus. And, and I was able, once the bus started going, there was a little parking you know, there, was a, there was an area for me to pull my car over, so I did. I just cried for a really long time, and I oh, and I knew God. then that I had to, I had to build the website. Yeah. You know, so that I mean, it could have just knowing this is a very universal thing with victims in that, yeah, you know, if you can just prevent it 
from happening to one person. Yeah. Really important. And just to know those kids were standing right. It was a Sunday, a Father's oh. Day, but three o'clock in the afternoon. Well, I don't know what time, but it was not early. It was not late. It was afternoon jog. And uh, I just thought, my God, you know, just yeah. anyways, that was a very, I think it's a very common response, but I, you know, that's, that cemented it for me. This is, this is going to get done and I don't have care how controversial it's going to be. <laughs> All right. So now you start yeah. the website and I'm assuming you started getting inundated. Was anybody yes. keeping any statistics or I know there's a lot of uh, momentum to try to like, you know, not have statistics in that because it doesn't bode well for the community. So what did that look like? Were you inundated and people finally happy to have a place to put their info or? Yeah, I mean, initially we were sort of a clearinghouse. We still are. Yeah. Um, But at that early stage, uh, we had not, we start collecting dog by fatalities sometime in 2008. Okay. So the, the site launched in October 2007. So we're just about to have our what, 16th anniversary a few days from now? Wow. I know, it's a long time. And so we start to do that in about 2008. And um, because we realized that the CDC is no longer sort of publishing this data and that no one is. Yeah. Um, that we find, I mean, we know we, we had known about, there's another group called Animals 24-7 that was also in Washington State at that time who had a log of attacks by breed. Um, so decided to do the fatalities since that wasn't being done. And then we also collect local statistics. So that was all just sort of just beginning, uh, in 2008, 2009 is when we start to compile statistics. Okay. How do wow. you identify that? I know this is a big one, the pit bull or what, what do they in breed specific legislation? Cause I keep hearing, they're not actually a breed or it's the American bully or the American Staffordshire Terrier. Or how does that work? How do they actually in these legislation, how do you identify that? Often it is a vis-a-vis the Denver ban. Again, that's the ban that's withstood the challenges. So they have a very specific definition of what a pit bull is. Okay. And that is the American pit bull terrier, uh, the American Staffordshire Terrier and the Staffordshire bull terrier. And, and what, the breed, those breed standards are in AKC and UKC, and I think ADBA as well, which is okay. the American Dog Breeder Association. So, so it is that was specific to Denver and many other ordinances, um, and that's generally speaking the legal definition. Now, Ohio had something; they were the only state to ever have a state level pit bull law, and they had that for twenty some odd years. It was repealed. Gosh, I think I want to say 2012, something like that. Um, but they went through all of these different court rulings too, and finally came up with this language: a dog commonly known as a pit bull. Oh, so I like that, that. It, that is nice uh, because it it's going to throw in the American bulldog, and it mm. even captured the Presa Canario. So, oh. so Ohio went a very different direction um, in their definition of a pit bull than. Um, then those jurisdictions that said, we're going to specifically name a breed. And you can say, as long as it's a mixture of any of those three breeds. Um, so the mixture was there. It wasn't like a mixture with a collie. It was a mixture between a, an American pit bull yeah. and American staff charts, something like that. Um, although some ordinances are a little bit, you know, have, have, have more mix in them. But at the end of the day, 
What I've seen in 16 years is that a jurisdiction is only going to go through with, um, you know, uh, taking a dog uh, if they know. I mean, it's there's no question in their mind, right? It's not like um, it could be a pit bull. It might not be a pit bull because they're going to have to defend that. They have to defend their choice. So uh, confiscating a dog, you're saying. Yeah, they have to be able to. And so that's a very serious thing. And so like even in Denver, there was a ton of pit bulls. You call them pit bull. They weren't perfect pit bulls that fell under the ordinance, right? So there were still numerous uh, pit bull mixes and things like that. Um, And that's very common. Um, That clearly happened in Miami-Dade. I mean, it had to be the most perfect (laughs) to be applied to the Miami-Dade ban. And I were talking 90% of the other one, other pit bulls and pit bull mixes. Oh, it's a little bit more of American bulldog. You know, the American bulldog is very popular down in Southern uh, Florida. Uh, So none of those counted. So it's almost, uh, you know, when there is an ordinance, it's usually, uh, I find that jurisdictions are more cautious and they want a 100% uh, verdict on that, that, they, that yes, this is a pit bull. So they're not going to be playing around with non pit bulls or part pit bulls. So tell me to catch you up. And I think we, okay. t- we talked about this online that um, uh, Florida governor DeSantis, uh, they just said that you can't have, and Colleen, you could, you could correct if I'm wrong. They can't be breed specific and they can't be size specific to keep you out of, I think government, uh, housing, right? It, this doesn't apply to private. Uh, maybe Correct. can you speak to that a little HLAs. bit? Yeah, right. So, so all municipalities, right? So this affects all municipalities who had a local uh, breed-specific ordinance and breed-specific policy. This probably applies to some shelters won't adopt out pit bulls. Sometimes there's different policies. So we'll see if any of those are contested or if or sort of what happens there, but generally it's no ordinances from municipalities. And then of course the uh, public housing, which it's very common to have, it's probably more common to have size restrictions in public housing than it even is to have breed specific legislation, because it really is the same thing. When you say not over 25 pounds, you're talking about, you know, you're talking about German shepherds, you're talking about uh, pit bulls, you're talking about Rottweilers, you're talking about Jesus. mastiffs. Yeah. So, you know, um, it's safer for them to just sort of like have a size restriction than they don't have to identify and all of that, right? right. Easier so definition. Right. Yeah. And it's an easier definition. And, uh, and you know, that there's so many forms of public housing. Um, there's like actual homes and there's townhouses. And then there's sort of like more condensed living uh, and apartment buildings. And so... You know, when I was watching the arguments, this particular argument happening in Maine, because in this past legislative session, bills were brought in five or six or seven states. And so it passed in four, it passed in every state it was brought in. Um, so those public housing people really got together and said no and said, <laughs> you know, it's not a one size fits all. You've got to, there's so many different forms of public housing. You've got to let them decide. And also, you know, the fair housing, um, you can um, make size restrictions, I believe, maybe not on a ser- not on a service dog, 
Um, but there are certain restrictions that even it, the HUD allows landlords to do. And so they were like saying, what, and now we can't even do that when it's federally allowed. So there was actually some really good arguments uh, in Maine, at least. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it will lower the quality of life for some people living in public housing. Um, and, and, and I think that that is sad because this is all about sort of the pit bull lobby and let's, you know, get pit bulls out into public housing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, they can have all kinds of dogs. I mean, I don't know why pit bulls would be so important in public housing. Um, you know, uh, so, you know, it feels like more of a, a check off the list for the pit bull lobbyists. So got a, you mentioned Ohio. So yeah. they repealed it. Do what kind of statistics do you see any any change in the statistics after the repeal? Have the incidents gone up? That type of thing. Is there? Do you see anything like that? Yeah. So it, I know it's sort of um, you know fatalities are rare, but so during the twenty five year, uh, it was a uh, pimples were declared vicious, and you had to have insurance. Okay, that was a law, so you could own them. But you had to secure them and you had to have some, some form of insurance. So Ohio had an insurance pool you could join. Okay. Uh, something like that. And again, most of the time it's probably going to be okay. Well, it was declared vicious, so it probably was expensive um, in that state. So there was just only a slight few fatalities in 25 years. And, and after that period, it's gone significantly up. Um, I do have a map of that, but it's three, four, five times as many in like just a, you know, like seven years since the repeal, then there wasn't all of 25 years. So, you know, yeah, that's so telling. I mean, I don't understand how people don't want to hear the numbers, I guess it's, it's confusing. What do you think, Tommy? I'm just. So I'm uh, one of the classes I took when I got my bachelor's degree was a companion animal class. And we discussed a lot of, uh, you know, breed specific legislation and that kind of stuff and the pros and cons and what we're dealing with. And I, one of the questions that was brought up is we have maybe a written definition of what is a pit bull or, or what is it that we're, we are banning specifically, but then who is it actually up to who, you know, whose job is it? to decide this is the pit bull or this is a mix or this is not a pit bull. Um, and I think that seems to be a, a big issue uh, where we, we talked about uh, size restriction is a lot easier. It, it's very easy to put a dog on a scale and say it's over 25 pounds. Right. It's a lot more subjective to say this dog has this many attributes that are pit bull-ish. Um, and so then you have to have a person whose job it is to decide what is this dog, you know, is it what we're banning? Um, and it's, and so what is their training? What is their background? How are they defining it? Um, those all come into question. And then who's funding that? Who's paying that guy's salary? Um, always the case. So what is, how is the legislation funded? Right. That's always exactly. Yeah. That's always the the question. So you know a lot more about this. I'm sure Kelly did with your background. Um, but when it comes to these kinds of restrictions and kinds of, of bans, you know, what are we running into? Where is the funding? Who do, how are we training the people to decide what it, what is the specific dog? How are we, how are we judging that? Um, and how are we funding it? 
Well, so if a Miami-Dade, for instance, passed the ordinance, it's funded by the county because okay. it's those animal control workers who will be doing that. Now, I haven't seen this particular checklist from Miami-Dade, but it was at least 20 items. Yeah. So they had to go down and check, 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 check. Um, and I think that that checklist has changed, been modified. I know it got it got more open some years ago. So in the sense of, let see, um, it got, I'm sorry, it got narrower. So fewer and fewer dogs were actually designated pet bulls. Right. Right. I heard so that Miami miracle. had such a big loophole that virtually everybody could, you know, make it work. For right. Um, and so, and so I don't know, I mean, clearly it's, if it's a municipal ordinance, it's that animal control department. Mm-hmm. Um, every now and again, it's a really small jurisdiction. And, and so the animal control department will, will say X, Y, Z, it makes all these measurements. It matches this, this breed standard. Um, they can sometimes written the ordinance, they can get a DNA test, DNA breed test. Um, if it's contested, the owner will have to pay for that. Um, and so uh, I think that there may even be uh, some jurisdictions that rely on a veterinarian, but that's mm-hmm. probably more common with the HOAs, right? Yeah. They, don't, they don't have animal control officers. Yeah. So right. they have something written in that says, we think it is. So go to your veterinarian and, and let's get like, have a veterinarian do this. Um, so yeah. there will be instances of that, but I don't know how often vets come into play uh, in uh, the municipal. But I mean, clearly lots of city shelters have, have vets employed too. So, yeah. You know, yeah. So I, I worked, uh, I worked in a veterinary clinic for uh, about three years and we would have clients come in with a new dog and it would be a, obviously a pit bull of some kind or some kind of mix. Okay. Um, and they would oftentimes ask us not to select in our records pit bull. They would ask, you know, put some other breed on there, uh, whether it made sense or not. Uh, so that's the the loopholes and that's the like getting around it kind of thing. Well, that's because they may not even live in an area with breed specific laws, but they, it may be a home homeowner's insurance issue. Mm-hmm. You, you know, they, they don't want any documentation of that. I mean, that, I mean, look at that. I mean, you know, that, that speaks volumes. I want to have this dog breed specifically. I've chosen this. And then I want to have someone lie about it for me. Yep. Right. I mean, okay. <laughs> that's that's exactly what I was just going to say. And this is what I say to, I do this podcast because I think we've gotten off track with being overly emotional about our animals in general. I do another one called Animal Tales. I was just speaking with someone about legislation and regulations around larger, you know, animals. But because people are very emotional and not practical, and what I say to them, because this has come up with some friends, we've talked about this, and I, I have pretty strong feelings, but I try to bring on people and, and open my mind. But I come to those feelings uh, from firsthand experience as an animal trainer, as, mm-hmm. as you're coming to it firsthand with your experience. But I always say to people, why was there a ban why are we having this conversation in the first place? It's not like they somebody just went out of thin air because everybody's got time and money on their hands, municipalities, to say, let's just ban pit bulls. I mean, why? that People forget that there's always a, you know, what was the cause and effect? Why did this happen? Because the incidents, which you're now tracking, you've been tracking on your site, which I use as a reference often, um, tells the story. And 
so if if you want to own a pit bull, that's up to you. And if you're in a place that allows it, but when you have your head up your rear end, understanding that uh, insurance company, they want you to have more insurance or other other municipalities or HOAs are saying this is dangerous. And then you see a pit bull with little kids and that kind of thing. I just, I about lose my mind because, and it. let me say, it's never the animal's fault. My father and grandfather were horse animal trainers, horse trainers, all exotics. And these dogs have to be in the right hands if you're going to have them. And I live in Pinellas County, Florida. It's one of the most dense counties in the eastern part of the United States. I've heard like New York is the only, the next most dense county, New York City. So we're on top of each other, right? We have more Uh than almost a million people in like 38 square acres or some crazy thing. People don't then, and now you've got people who don't want to train dogs. They want to give love and cookies and go get, clean the shelters out and get all these dogs out of the shelters. It's a, it's a recipe for disaster. In my neighborhood, there's a guy, pretty sure they're Cane Corsos. I actually looked it up because I didn't know what they were. These white dogs, three of them, he walks at the same time. And they growled at my husband who was getting ready to go for a jog. He kind of ran out the driveway and stopped himself short. And he's my husband. He's not an animal guy, but he, he lives with me and knows what we talk about far as this stuff and stopped and the dog started growling at him came towards him and the guy's got three of them sounds like a dog of argentina those are the ones that are solid white maybe that's so what it is yeah they're, they're, they're the all argentine hunting dogs right yeah, yeah i mean they have a role and they may be very good at that role but in pinellas county florida where there's you know you could take down a 400 pound pony with two pit bulls which happened to a friend of mine and now you got to like you said these kids getting off the bus a 40 pound child, I, I, I get, I get like physically feel sick when I think about it. And yet people are, you know, just, oh, they're go online. DeSantis is, I, I, uh, that's when I reached out to Colleen, Tommy, I was on Facebook and it said DeSantis repealed that you can't ask for size and breed. And there was one other thing. In other words, they have to be declared dangerous to not allow them. And again, I think this is government housing, but HOAs can do their thing, apartments and such. But um, the the comments, 300, did I, I think I sent you the link, Tommy. Yeah, like 300 comments. Yeah. And I was, my Supporting husband was completely it. annoyed with me, but I was just rolling through them. There were like two comments that said, wow, well, what do you propose to do if there's a problem? And people yeah. jumped all over that. But just the nonsensical, I'm okay if you say, Wow, that's interesting. I'll check into that. But just to say, thank you, Descents. This is fantastic. Our pities. And they all yeah. posted pictures of their pities and all that, you know. It's just nonsensical to me because I know. Here's what I say. I have a little dog who's a little jerk. He could be a little jerk. He's a multi-poo. <laughs> um, and, but I, I I'm an, for that. He yeah. is a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> He's adorable sometimes. But I am very cautious with my animals. I that my animals are for me. I don't take them to the store. I don't do all that stuff. And he's under control. However, um, you know, you get people who think love and cookies are gonna help. They're they're misunderstood. They've all been abused. Every dog now, Tommy and I talk about this often, every dog's been abused. Well, that's not actually true, but it's not the animal's fault. It's how we're dealing with them. Right. Right. So I feel my heart breaks for these animals and this is a true dilemma, but people who, you know, who think they're going to 
take them home and love and cookies and let them cuddle up with their kids. It's, I mean, my little dog's not going to kill anybody. He might bite somebody. But if these dogs decide to go, their, their inherent part of them is not going to stop. And it's in, I get Google alerts every day on animals because of my podcast. And right. I, you know, Colleen, I literally cry sometimes about the, the maulings and the, um, the deaths that are horrific. It's a really, I think what is really stands out, it's not just the hold and shake by style, it's the extraordinary disproportional response. The smallest little thing. Mm -hmm. And so we are talking about um, genetics and what they were bred for, which is explosive aggression in the pit. And you go to pet and, you know, three quarters of the face is gone. And that is not a normal response for a dog. They will bite you and it will be bad but not like that. Yeah. And so we, we see that, and that is why they show up in fatalities so often. It's this extraordinary disproportionate response, and then, of course, it keeps going. It's a sustained disproportionate response. You can't yes. turn it off. You can't turn it off. And and so then then the result of that is more deaths. In, in this country, in every single country in the world where these dogs show up, I mean, there are breed-specific regulations against pit bulls in 61 countries that we know about. And there's a lot of languages I don't know and I can't research. So, you know, this is a problem wherever they show up. Interesting. I compared it, uh, Heidi and I spoke the other day and I compare it, having a dog like this is like having a loaded gun. Yeah, you had a great analogy. There's a there's a lot of people out there that have guns. And I don't have a problem if you have guns and if it's not regulated where you're at, whatever. That's your personal choice. But there are also very standardized safety protocols when it comes to owning firearms or having them, you know, in your house. Exactly. That's, I think, the big problem with having these dogs and and not just specifically pit bulls, pretty much any larger breed that has an aggressive tendency. um, You have a loaded gun. You have the possibility for that dog to be triggered. And I think the other problem is, is that most people only see their dogs in a very controlled environment in their home, you know, where there's not a lot of pressure, the the dog is not stressed. Um, And so that's when you hear these, oh, my dog would never. Yeah. But when you actually start taking, if you choose to take that dog or that loaded gun into public, and now you have a high stress environment, a trigger that you're not even aware was there. Yeah, you didn't even read it. That's the problem. Yeah, you have no idea what's triggering this, the dog, and he's probably not well handled. He's probably not really well trained. Maybe in your backyard, maybe in your living room, you can get a sit or a come here or a down. But when you take it in front of an audience, we talk about this from the from the entertainment perspective. We know the animal's trained when we can do the do the act anytime, anywhere, in any environment. Yeah. Right. That is not what these dogs are. Yeah. They're an untrained, loaded weapon waiting to go off at the wrong moment. Yeah. And people that like to have two oh. and three mm-hmm. and four. Now, I think Caesar Milan might have had this whole pack walking thing. Uh, yeah. But what we've seen in fatalities, too, is that the, 
the number of cases involving multiple dogs has really gone up. Now, we, yeah. we can't explain exactly why, uh, except that dog ownership changes over time. And maybe you have one dog and then you get a shelter dog or maybe, you know, if it, it was more common for, for people to have a one dog household back in the 80s or 90s. And now it's more common. Uh, it's getting more and more common to have two and three. Tommy um, can answer that. He's answered that on the <laughs> podcast before. Your, your dog needs a dog. <laughs> he, said, he always says. There's that. Yeah. There's that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the, the ongoing thing is, well, yeah. I have this dog, but he needs a dog. He needs a dog. And he my dogs are like, I don't need another dog. I don't want another dog. I'm perfectly yeah. happy. My dog doesn't want another dog. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why are you bringing him in here? Gosh. His dog is Jimmy Dean, by the way. He hasn't mentioned him by name on this show episode yet. Oh, he hasn't worked our way into the we episode We haven't worked yet. him in yet, but... Um, <laughs> But no, this is just such a, I, I couldn't agree more. It's when you get a couple, like this guy with the three in my neighborhood, and then there's a, there's a lot of pit bulls, and I don't like to go outside my yard. I'm, an, I'm a dog trainer. I right, train dogs for local people, but I've also trained for entertainment. And um, I, am, I couldn't agree with you more, Tommy. People don't even know how to read their animals. They say they're fine. I come in their house, and the dog, you know, right away jumps up on me or whatever. And then I go try to talk to the people. And now I look at the dog and I say, hey, quit. And the dog like looks at me like, excuse me. And the woman said, he never does that. Well, you, you know, he's in charge. He, you never asked him to do anything. Mm -hmm. So right. and now you're taking these dogs out in public and with the ability. And you're right. I feel that way about Dobermans, Rottweilers, um, any big dog, because if they decide to go, but then you add in the, the, the bully part of it where they do not what you experience, they don't let go and they shake and they want to just uh, destroy and they, you can't. It's that genetic okay. trigger, that genetic switch that flips that you can't pull them off. Yeah. Like it's, it just, it goes and it, it takes a long time for that to turn off and for them to calm back down. And what, you know, what um, the part of this that I'm upset about is that people are being attacked all over the country, apparently all over the world. But what I, I've seen on your site, because I've gone and I found your site because I was researching, because I trained a little horse, a miniature horse who had a pony uh, sidekick because he needed a pony. His horse needed a pony. Um, and they were in their stall up in near Deland, Florida, and two pit bull neighbor pit bulls came over, took down the pony, 400 pounds. And I and this woman had kids, and on her social media, the dog was sleeping with her children, right? Mm -hmm. This is carnage. I mean, outright carnage. I've talked about this on the podcast before, and I, sorry, Tanya, because she does listen, and this just brings it back for her. But um, I know one thing about animals. It's not if, but when. When they've gone mm -hmm. down that road, it it will it will happen again. People are like that as well. Very seldom does somebody get cured from something. So um, that in terms of like, if a fighting dog has never done that before, and then it does, it learns exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's. I mean, you know, each time they fight, they get better. Yeah. It's no different than you know putting down a border collie first time with sheep. Yeah. The 10th time with sheep, it's going to be better. Yeah, yep. exactly. <laughs> I mean, 
you know, so the fir- after the first, particularly an animal, uh, you know, an, an animal attack, so a dog on dog attack, something like that. I mean, that is just to me exceptionally dangerous. Yeah, and that is not going. I mean, there is management of that dog, or that dog needs to be put down. Like, I mean, how you know it? It's going to do it again. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it can only be like perfectly managed, or you're going to have to do something else with it. Because yeah. uh, you know, there's not a lot of safe places to bring dogs where there isn't another dog. Right. You know, they're yeah. all over our neighborhoods. You know, and they will go for people if they get you know they, just enough. They will. The dogs I just mentioned with this pony scenario, they're still out on the run, and she had a baby in the midst of all this. So she had a toddler, and now a baby, and two dogs that have created complete carnage. And the the county just kind of throws up his hands. I went to the hearing. There were four. The hearing got delayed several times because the pit bull rescue offered them a lawyer. Of course. They did, They were renters who didn't have anything. The pit bull rescue offered them a lawyer. The lawyer mm-hmm. delayed and delayed and delayed. It went through like three or four rounds. The husband kept taking time off to come to this hearing, which was a ways from their home. I drove up and went. And in, the, in front of our case, um, this is uh, Lake County, Florida, four other cases. This is just one day one hearing right four other casers cases where the dogs somebody's dogs had either attacked people or dogs or the one guy couldn't even get in his house he was there to complain because the dog the neighbor's dog was loose out in the country you know and it it threatened him all the time so and they all stood up and said they had american staffordshire terriers so that they wouldn't call them pit bulls three of them couldn't even say the word staffordshire you know (laughs) Gosh. And I, I, it was really my first experience in that part of it. This was d- about two years ago. And then I really started doing some more research and I since then started the podcast. So what do we say to people? I mean, how do we convince people that at least be cautious or understand you need to have some training? And you mentioned Caesar Milan. He's a badass. He's a badass. He he does have pit bulls, but he is yes. like a wild uh, animal he, trainer. We could you know? all be him. <laughs> very few people. <laughs> very few people are him. I mean, you know, and and have that approach. I and I usually he's pretty good. I do take issue because he wrote on Facebook one time in the last year that um they're they're great family pets. I was yeah. livid. I was like, you you say that as somebody who trains animals. And he even said, they. I let them know when they could play. They have to ask me for everything. They, they're they not allowed to step out of line. And they have a great life because right. it's like having well-behaved children, right? Mm-hmm. How often does that happen? So what do we, what do, well, we do from here? Colleen, what, what can people do? What, what do we do? Why do you do this site? What do you want people to know or what do you want to see change? Well, I think that, you know, we started right when Michael Vick was happening in 2007. He was just getting convicted. Now, I don't really understand how huge that is because I'm just getting started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And after he was convicted, 100, 1,000, 10,000 pit bull rescues were born, right? Oh, okay. um, and rescuing pits became a huge, huge phenomenon. Um, pitbulls as victims. And so today, your average person can go down to a shelter and there will be many, many pitbull mixes. These are these are all dogs that don't have a background. Yeah. 
that no one knows. Um, and, and I think that that is the worst thing you could ever do. That combination. Agreed. <laughs> you, you don't know the background. You can't say it's all how you raise them because you didn't raise them. Yeah. And you probably don't have the training to understand the signals. Yeah. Um, but it can be quite subtle. Um, and, and, and they will say on the kennel card, absolutely no dogs. You don't even know what that means. You don't know that that means it will probably kill a dog or, or go after one and with the intent to kill it. And mm-hmm. so I think we'd like to have not, we don't want the public doing that. And, you know, w- with today's media and since Vic, actually, it's uh, huge coverage of an attack yeah. and huge coverage of all these pitbulls for adoption. I mean, if I was a member of the public, I'd be confused too. Um, but I mean, we really got to kind of come down to those really core arguments. It's all how you raise them. Well, then you need to be really careful about adopting a two and a half year old pit bull that no one wants ended up with a shelter and you don't have a clue about its background. Yeah. And you're not an animal trainer in any way. You just think you're going to rescue them and give, they're misunderstood and give them love and cookies. And by the way, shame on Hollywood for every actor and actress who stands up there and just blindly says, go to the shelter. Not only is this an issue, my shelter in Pinellas where I went at the time, they had about 35 bully and bully crosses. And she said, when they get any other breed, people line up out the door. Yeah. A big shout out to people who run the county shelters and, you know, the, the what we used to call the dog pound, because they're not asking for this and they do noble work. It's the private shelters and rescues who are, you know, making this like, oh, they're just misunderstood and, you know, they'll be wonderful pets and all that. And by the way, and this is on prior podcasts, not only is all that a mess and wrong, but our shelters are not overcrowded with adoptable dogs. They're coming over to the tune of a million a year, fuzzy little dogs that people would normally like to adopt that other countries are breeding because we keep telling them, right, because there aren't enough dogs. But yet here that we keep telling people our shelters are full, you got to get a dog for the shelter. So we've created a market, right, for this. And they like some of the folks I work with call it retail rescue. And they mm-hmm. want to put breeders sure. at pet stores out of business because that's competition. It is competition. They've done it. Yeah, I mean, they, they have passed done. laws in states. So they have done uh, it. you know, and taking people, away our rights. Right. People contact us, and you know, I mean, given our very strong stance about this issue with the public and shelters, uh, you know, um, it, researching, finding yourself a good, you want a gold retriever, you're going to have to probably get to find a breeder. Yeah. You know, you're, not going to find one at a shelter. Um, and so, you know, we want people to get dog breeds that they are comfortable with. We want yes. to get one to get the dogs young. And, you know, you're just every now and again, some miracle happens at a shelter, but it's already chosen and taken. And uh, you, you'll never just walk in and find one of these dogs. You know, um, there's a whole system to keep only special people getting those. <laughs> oh, they move them around right away. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And they, they get top dollar, a thousand or more dollars and that type of thing. And by the way, part of this uh, agenda and commercialization of the shelters and such, I, I, I believe people are getting dogs who might not otherwise get dogs because they believe they're, they're solving a problem. 
and yes. filling a need. And then what they're doing is actually creating a larger market for the yeah. countries. 113 countries were banned by the CDC from sending us dogs right. with falsified rabies and diseases we haven't seen in this country or have eradicated. And that's a tip of the iceberg. 113 countries banned, and yet yeah. the, it still continues to go on. Naya, Patty Strand at the National Animal Interest Alliance and others are lobbying to get at least stronger laws. Um, the, the, it's escaping me, but they have a, a bill out there where they'd at least have to be credible. But don't get a dog unless you really want one and have the uh, ability to care for it properly. If you're going to work more than eight or even eight hours a day and nobody's going to run your dog, you don't, you shouldn't have a dog. That's not the right environment. Okay, now you're going to get a dog walker. Okay, but why are you doing it? Is it because you can't live without a dog? Let's get a dog sharing. I say it all the time. Angie's list for dog sharing, right? <laughs> I'll share my dogs. That way, neither one of us has to have full-time dogs and we get the benefit, right? <laughs> I mean, to make light of it, but it does concern me that there are people getting dogs who really probably wouldn't get dogs if they really gave it a lot of thought. And as a dog trainer, I see things I'm very uncomfortable with yeah. in the way people are handling their dogs. It's you know. a lot more work than, I mean, you're sort of led to believe. Um, it's a, it's, it's an enormous amount of work the first year or so, you know, um, money and, and money and money. It does. And, uh, yeah. From puppy, you know, I had a toy breed, uh, so that was expensive. Just oh yeah, itself. Yeah, uh, it was an English bulldog. Thank, thank you, but it was uh, expensive. Yeah, <laughs> I was uh, shocked. I didn't know that, and I had read my, you know, encyclopedia dog books and done my research to find the the dog breed that I want. I thought I had a handle on that. Yeah, I never have a handle on vet bills. It's the yeah. things they don't tell you. Right. It's the thing they don't tell Yeah. Me. And I'm all for, I love my dog. I can, I can live without a dog if I, you know, but I've chosen, I did for a while and then I got another dog. But, uh, you know, if you really want a dog and you're ready for it, that's fine. But just to do, do your homework and some research. And it, the biggest thing is don't make it an emotional decision. That does not in anybody's best interest. And in this society today, we're allowed to be emotional about everything. We're allowed yeah. to be offended by everything. We're allowed to be emotional about everything. The two do not go together with animals. And those of they us, don't. yeah, it's absolutely not. And um, if this is concerning you, listening to us, then maybe you have some reason to be concerned. You know, what is that? Or at least look further into it. Um, so, Colleen, thank you so much for coming on. And I'll post your organization in my show notes. Okay. And thank you for the work you do because um, it's hard to find that information. And I really appreciate your providing the statistics and putting that information out there. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you for having me on your show. You really enjoyed it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Tommy, that was um, obviously I feel very strongly about this, mainly because I just don't want people to get hurt. I don't want other animals to get hurt. And I'm so concerned about it. But. I don't know what your takeaway was. I just, it's, it's such a hard topic to talk about. I know there are a lot of people who don't, you know, have a whole, a whole different take on it, but what's your thought about it? it? It's a really, it's a very difficult issue. Um, but like we talked about 
uh, in the interview with Colleen, it's um, when you have a breed that is, they've been purpose bred for a specific job over hundreds, if not a thousand years. Um, so there's a genetic predisposition for certain behaviors in these dogs. And for me, I think one of the, the biggest issues is that the, the general public is not educated or maybe is willfully ignorant when it comes to things like that. Yeah. And so when you're selecting your pet and you're selecting, you know, what dog you're going to get, and this is something we talked about in the interview also is, do you need a pet? Um, and something we've addressed a lot in the podcast. Really consider. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really consider, you know, what, what actual breed of dog is going to be good for you? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, is a pit bull that has a, an aggressive tendency going to be right for you with no history that you're, you have no idea about their history. Exactly. Um, and I, I think we're just not really, uh, in touch with the reality of that. The general public, I think is not in in touch with the reality of, um, you know, what, what can you provide as the animal owner, as far as structure, boundaries, uh, care, all of that. Um, and is your situation going to change? Is somebody else going to walk the dog for you? Uh, you know, there, there's so many variables that can happen that we're not realistic about when we actually think about getting that dog in, in the first place. Um, and I so think there's just need, a lot of deep questions. I think we need to shame the uh, media and the um, actor community, you know, the celebrity community who stand up there with the emotional music and say, please go to the shelter and get a dog. You've got to save these dogs. Yeah. You, it's not up to you to save all these dogs. This is a dilemma. It's a big issue. But bringing these dogs into your home when you're not prepared for that and you're bringing them into your neighborhood as well, you're not just impacting yeah. you. So that's what well, I think they need to be shamed. The, the celebrities need to be shamed and the shelters are doing a lot of deceitful things that I disagree with. And then those who aren't are just trying their best to figure out this issue and the best of them will not tell you this is a great dog for your family. You know, yeah. they're more realistic. <laughs> You say shame on on the celebrities or on the shelters, and then yes, to an extent that, but also shame on the individuals who are just accepting that at face value. Okay, I you agree know, with that. I I, t- I put it along the lines of, um, you know, drink this healthy drink. It is the end all be all health cure. Well, if you're going to buy into that, shame on you for not doing your research. Yeah, there is no silver bullet for a health cure of some kind of drink. It doesn't exist. Um, and along the same lines, you know, if you're going to get a pet, if you're going to make that commitment, do your research, Yeah. know, know what kind of breed you're getting, know what kind of background that individual dog has, you know, if it's already a two, three, four year old dog and you don't know its history, there can be a lot of baggage there. Even if it's um, not a bully breed, any dog. I of mean, course, yeah. You may you may be wreaking havoc on your life. And who's in your house? Is yeah. do you have a senior citizen in your house? Do you have kids in your house? Because if you go on Colleen's uh, dog bites dogs bite dot org, you will you will be in tears. And these people who didn't ask for this, and if you get more than yeah. one dog, you created your own little pack. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a real problem. Yeah. 
You know so. what? We're um, we're just going to leave it there. This is a lot of information to take in, and it's uh, some very serious, heavy information. So I hope that our podcast provides some information to make you think about, you know, animals and dogs and, you know, your relationship to not only dogs, but what you're bringing into your community and that. And yes, we love our dogs. And if you're ready for one and you want to get the right dog for your family, there's a lot of people to help you with that. And as Tommy said, do your research. So we hope, uh, again, we hope we're providing some doggone good information for you. And we hope you'll join us next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>